Hello, greetings. Welcome to Combat Month. I'm your host, Dave. How how are we all doing? We all we all good. So as you've heard on the previous mini episode uh, to start with, this month we're going to be taking a look at the franchise known as Mortal Kombat. You're asking yourselves, well, what is this first episode? So today we're going to be looking at the original motion picture soundtrack for the very first film and I'm having to do something that I haven't done in a very long time (laughs) and that's uh, get my CD player out which is just absolutely unbelievable right here so I'm looking at it right now it's got 17 tracks there's a couple of tracks that aren't actually in the film and a couple of tracks that are scored by George S. Clinton I'm hoping to god it's got the Goro fight theme on it (laughs) So this is the motion picture soundtrack. Don't worry, later on down the line, we are going to be looking at the motion picture first film anyway. Uh, Sadly, Matt can't be here today. He's promised to join me for the next episode, so we will see what happens. So let's open this up. Have a look. Have a look at the liner notes. Uh, Yeah, it's just a bit of paper with pictures on the back of the sheet. With um, images from the film, with liner notes on the inside, which basically say the bands and the artists. So, like I say, I've heard the music in the film, but I've never heard it out of context. So, what we're going to do for this episode is we're just going to kind of live react to this album, I guess. Uh, see whether it's actually, you know, worth worth the time for people to look at. Because from what I can gather, this actually went platinum in the US. It's actually the most successful video game spin-off soundtrack album. So uh, let's uh, dive right in, I suppose. Let me just uh, open the case up and put the disc in the player. There we go. Uh, Beautiful. That's just... uh, How's that for a nostalgia sound? Okay, and we're in straight away with uh, track one, I guess. So the track one was called uh, A Taste of Things to Come, and that's basically sound sound clips from the film. We've now moved on to a track called Goodbye by a band called Gravity Kills. I've, I've never heard of them before, but apparently it's a demo track. So I'm just looking into Gravity Kills now. They look like they w- were an American industrial rock band from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh... Not really a lot else I can say. This sounds like the track that would have been in the end credits. This is a really cool track, actually. You can totally tell it's a demo, though, because it sounds really, really unfinished. (laughs) Unfinished to a point where the guitars are really rough and scraggly. And a lot of the effects and things weren't actually kind of done. So reading up on this album now is actually mind-boggling. But it won the BMI Film and TV Awards uh, Film Music Award. That's a thing. (laughs) On top of that, like I said before, it reached platinum status in less than a year. And it reached number 10 in the Billboard 200. This is just madness. Absolute madness for a, for a soundtrack to a film that's not a musical. It doesn't 
sound right, <laughs> to be honest. When you think of modern kind of soundtracks to films, you know, you get films like uh, The Greatest Showman and things like that. That's a bit, uh, that's the first thing that comes off my head. Okay, track three, K, KMFDM with a track called Duke Joint Jezebel. It's a Giorgio Moroder Metropolis mix. Ah, this is this is the track from the Sonya Blade and Kano fight, if memory serves. This is a kick-ass tune here. The samples and the keyboards and stuff are just so 90s. I'm, I'm digging it. So just reading up on it now, apparently the original single version was re-released as a 7-inch in 2009. And it was a rock band as well. Wow. Well, the original version anyway. <laughs> I don't think this version will be. That's pretty cool though. So we get on to track four now, which is Unlearn by a band called Psychosonic. It's a Josh Winks live mix, which means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> so it's got a little star next to this one saying, not in motion picture. I mean, that's fair. It's a nice little uh, kind of hoppy dance track. With kind of uh, those, you know, those really kind of 90s kind of violins that kind of droning in the background. Yeah, it's that with someone kind of wheeling over the top of it. Yeah, this ain't bad, actually. I'm quite enjoying this so far, actually. It seems like a quite a unique set of, well, not even unique, quite a cool set of songs to kind of put in one place. It's really cool, actually, yeah. I could see myself possibly listening to this again, unironically, no less. <laughs> Tell you what, it really does scream of 90s underground rave, though. <laughs> Whether that's a good thing or not, I, I'm not entirely sure. But nonetheless, that's that's a vibe that they went for, and they certainly succeeded in uh, getting. Okay, so I recognise this. This sounds like uh, the fight... The soundtrack for Reptiles fight? Is Tracy Lord's Control the Juno Reactor instrumental? Well, I did not know that Tracy Lord's went into music. <laughs> Interesting though, because this is the instrumental version, so you don't hear her singing. <laughs> I'm just looking at her um, uh, discography now. Let's see. Um, let's see, she's had one studio album, one compilation album, which I assume over this, four music videos, an EP, three singles. So Labeler is a singer, so I mean, they're not wrong, I guess. In the same sense that Paris Hilton, I guess, is a, a singer. It seems like she's mostly gone on to do a lot of uh, film work. Good for her. Apparently <laughs> she's in Blade as well. Didn't know that. So I'm just looking up Juno Reactor now. Wait, hold on a second. So you were telling me that the Juno Reactor was on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. Later went on and collaborated with Don Davis. To do the score for the Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions. Really? That's that's really cool. <laughs> huh. Wow. Didn't know that. And now you do, my dear listeners. So kind of took, going back again to talking about kind of this album as a holder. So it also looks like as well, 
There was a second album, which I may have to try and get my hands on, called Mortal Kombat, More Kombat with, with a K. So it just seems like it's a sequel album to cash in on the success of this album. And certainly in the wood it looks like. So this was released in August 1995, this album. And then the sequel album was out November 96, the next year, just in time for Christmas. Wow. Talk about um, Jump While the Iron Is Hot, I guess. And then we move on to, quite possibly, one of the best tracks from this goddamn film. Which is by Orbital. And it's a song called uh, Halcyon On and On. Yeah, so it really starts off with this really quite ethereal uh, kind of droning keyboards and kind of single like chords played on, on another keyboard as well. And it's just slowly building and it's just building and building. So it's this point in the film where I think uh, Liu Kang speaking to Chang, he's his brother who's died towards the end of the film. Spoilers, by the way, if you've never seen that. <laughs> um, and uh, they're talking to each other and again, don't worry, we will be reunited one day and you've done all you can to save me. And then kind of this, this really cool uh, bass line kind of drops in later on. Oh, of course, you get the vocals coming first, right here. <laughs> Completely forgot about that. And, yeah. Absolutely love this track. I love it. So, it seems like Halcyon on and on. Uh, is actually a more up ah that bass line god damn it it just gets you pumped dun 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 god damn it such a kick ass tune although this kind of guitar bending thing really does age it somewhat going boing, boing. maybe I'll stick in the clip you can kind of hear it <laughs> so looking at this track uh, as I said it seems like this is actually a remix of a track that's just called Halcyon which I did not know uh, yeah, more upbeat and melodic remix of the original track. In contrast to the, this is verbatim from Wikipedia, by the way. Can you tell? So it's been used in a couple of other films, along with Mortal Kombat. Some people might know it from Hackers, and probably for kids of my kind of age period, apparently they might know it from Mean Girls. I've never seen Mean Girls. Suffice to say, um, it's probably something that I will rectify at some point. Matt will probably hate me for saying it, but it will probably go on the list. <laughs> so, title the remix is inspired by a contemporary what advertising slogan used by Ariston Washing Machine Company. Wow. I think I may have to try and dive into uh, 
orbited a little bit more because I keep seeing their name crop up in just things that I'm watching and listening to recently. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to kind of dive into them a lot more because this is a hell of a tune. It's an absolute just... Oh, it's so good. So, so good. Okay, now we've moved on to Utah Saints' take on the theme from Mortal Kombat. As corny as it is, having a song on the soundtrack that's got samples from the actual film in it, i got to admit, this track is fucking great. <laughs> like I say, kind of as corny as it is having all the samples in it, you know exactly what you're getting here. Pretty great, isn't it? <laughs> oh, man. This is fantastic. I love this so much. It's just so, so 90s. <laughs> anyway, ratings for this album, from what I can tell, there's only actually one I can see online at the moment, which is from a website called All Music. Uh, they've rated it a 3 out of 5. Which, to be fair, I mean, so far, that's... Pretty much what I would give this, to be honest. Here we go. So, kind of the main takeaways is Mortal Kombat captures the sessions featuring a side of hardcore techno and a side of heavy metal. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong there. They may appear to be spider opposites, techno metal aren't that dissimilar, propelled by aggression and relentless riffs. I really, really can't argue with that. So, a track just come on now by a band called GZR. Never heard of them. Doing a track called The Invisible. No idea. It's heavy, though. <laughs> now, please excuse me while I go headbang. Oh, well, okay. So I've done some reading into a GZR. Turns out it's actually an American heavy metal band founded by Black Sabbath bassist and lyricist Geezer Butler. It just... Boom! My head has just exploded with this knowledge. Wow. Did not know that Geezer Butler had a heavy metal band called GZR or Geezer. Wow. Did not know that. So I'm looking into them now. Uh, it appears they've actually got Three albums, which I think, uh, yeah, hell yeah, gonna have to look into. And I'm listening to the track now. Vocalist is Burton C. Bell of Fear Factory. Good lord, how how have I missed that? Fucking hell, that was heavy as all hell. Speaking of Fear Factory, though, the next track is Fear Factory. <laughs> What what can I say about Fear Factory? Fear Factory is Fear Factory. They are industrial metal hev heavyweights. You know exactly what you're getting with with Fear Factory. Now, please excuse me while I go headbang once again. <laughs> See you in a bit.
So I've got a bit curious during the um, recording of uh, this episode. I was like, let's have a look at the um, record label and stuff that this has been put out on. And it looks like it's been put out on a record label called TV Tunes Records. TVT Records. Uh, founded by Steve Gottlieb. I personally had never actually heard of it until I started to go through some of its releases and I was like, hold the phone. Actually, they were quite a big deal back in the day. So actually, turns out they put out the triple platinum album of Nine Inch Nails called Pretty Hate Machine. And I have all the time in the world for a record label that puts out a Nine Inch Nails record, especially one as strong as Pretty Hate Machine. So not only that, they put out records by bands like Seven Dust. They put out a couple of Little John records as well. And apparently Pitbull, the rapper, Mr. Worldwide. So I was like, so how come, even though they had this triple platinum album and they've put out lots of cooler records and stuff, what happened to them? So for as far as I can tell, they went bankrupt. Yeah, so from what I can tell, basically the the label went bankrupt due to several high-profile court cases and lawsuits, which seems uh, somewhat awkward. Although what does seem quite cool is that they were the first label to actually put their entire catalogue online, available for downloading and free streaming for fans in the year 2000. So this is right on kind of the, the cusp of the whole Napster thing as well. So I'm just looking now. They actually reached an amicable arrangement with, with huh, ironically, Napster. For use of CVT, uh, artist copyrights, and the record label CEO joined the Napster advisory board. But it just seems like everything I've read about kind of this record label towards the late, kind of the late 90s, early 2000s, was just lawsuit, 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 dispute, <laughs> lawsuit. Wow, that's not a good way to run a record label. So, yeah, so actually they they were quite an influential record label really when you think about what they've put out in the past previously. Is it a great loss for the music world though? I mean, arguably because they seemed like they weren't owned by anybody until kind of they went bankrupt and they didn't really have a choice. Just finished a track by a band called Sister Machine Gun. It's all right. I suppose I'm now listening to one by a wonderful band called Typo Negative, and I have all the time in the world for Typo Negative. Absolutely love them. Uh, it's a track called Blood and Fire Out of the Ashes Mix. Typo fucking negative. So the track after Typo Negative, yeah, I can't really say a lot about it. It's a band called Bile with a song called I Reject, and it ends with diarrhea noises. Okay, then. <laughs> Before we get on to... Grindcore King Stalwart Napalm Death with Twist the Knife Slowly and I have a lot of time for Napalm Death. There's one of they're definitely in my kind of top five bands of all time for sure. I freaking love Napalm Death. <laughs> so if memory serves, this is during the montage of Goro just kicking everybody's ass. <laughs> And you know what? 
we 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 live for that. <laughs> this is great. So, you know, so far, actually, we've got one, two, three, four. We've got about four or five tracks left. Apart from that bile track, maybe the sister machine gun track. Yeah, it's been a pretty consistent hit rate. I mean, the energy hasn't really sort of relented, to be honest, which is quite good for an album because kind of sometimes you kind of get to the middle of it and you're just kind of breathless and you need to take a break. Actually, this works really quite well. If it was going to be like an A and B side, I would I could see that working because you'd have the A side as like the techno and dance, electronic dance music and that sort of thing on one side, and then you'd have the heavy metal on the other side. Two diametrically opposed kind of sounds, you know? I could see that working really quite well. It's just a shame that maybe vinyl LPs uh, typically only hold like 20 minutes per side. So... I mean, maybe you could do it as a dual record set. Maybe get have the one as the dance stuff and then one... I don't know. I could see that working quite well. So follow on from Napalm Beth Death, we've got a track by a band called Mother's Day Out called What You Seed, We All Blue Red. So this seems like this is the song that's in the nightclub where Sonia trying to track Kano down. Getting really big kind of Beastie Boy vibes off this and that's not a bad thing because the Beastie Boys are absolute legends so you've kind of got the the guy shouting over the top of this really fast frantic guitar work that's just muddy and yeah it's just ah this is high energy kind of batters you in the face with ferocity and this aggression it's wow Um, considering I've always wondered what the track was that's playing in that scene quite nice to hear it isolated on its own and it's as good as I thought it was going to (laughs) be so that's quite a relief Um, some would argue it's quite repetitive I mean we've gone on now for about nearly four minutes and it seems to be the same cycle over and over again but you know what? It works for it. It's fucking catchy. I'm probably going to be humming this for the next couple of days. <laughs> and this is the moment I've been waiting for. The Immortals Techno Syndrome 7-inch mix. Which serves in that amazing opening sequence of the film. (laughs) Yeah, so I didn't realise, but recently there's actually, because the new Mortal Kombat film is due out within the next day or so, at a time of recording, it looks like actually the song. was actually for an album called The Mortal Kombat Album, which originally came out in 1994. And it was kind of written in a four-week period, which is just kind of absolutely mad as well. So, uh, Techno Syndrome... Oh, no, sorry. Uh, So, The Immortals basically talk to 
midway and they were actually allowed to be given some of the samples that were used in the Mortal Kombat games at the time. So rather than trying to recreate the sound effects, they actually had the the rights to use them, which which is pretty cool. Above and beyond by Midway games. I'll tell you what, this this track just manages to just hype you up. It does an amazing job in the film when you watch kind of the flames come out of the logo and and you can hear the flames going whoa, whoa, and you've got this just blaring in the background. You're like, yes! I'm ready for people to be punched in the face. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. I love it. What it says here is actually used, like I say, in the Mortal Kombat movie. And also the Mortal Kombat live tour, which I didn't know was a thing. Yeah, and it looks like this actually came out as a single as well. And it must have done the business <laughs> when this was released as a single because... Why the hell wouldn't it? A bottom seven inch single. Hell yes. Three minutes twenty-three of just EDM dance greatness. Nothing screams nineties to me more than that. Okay, I'll take it back. Now this is nineties. <laughs> Surrounding so out the album now, we've actually got two tracks from the film itself. So the first one called Goro vs. Art which is from the fight where Goro fights, uh, I guess the other fight is called Art. Didn't know that. Featuring guitar work from our boy Buckethead, who's previously featured on the podcast for in the Chinese Democracy episode I did uh, last year at some point. Oh, what a guitar solo this is. Oh, listen to that. It's just... Oh, I love it so much. It just sells the scene. It's it's aged, don't get me wrong, because of the production on it. You can kind of hear it's so 90s, but I mean, I can't argue with it because it just works so well. And in the film, it just works, you know? Yeah, I can. I, I'm hearing the music now, and I can see kind of the fight in my head, and it's just, you know, ah oh, man. And there we have it. We have reached the end of Mortal Kombat original motion picture soundtrack. <laughs> Well, that was a that was a trip. Did I like it? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> and it's not just because I really love the original film so so much. Even then, the original film technically, I'm going to go into this more probably when we get round to covering the film. For me, it's just pure '90s nostalgia. It's a competently made film by by Paul W. S. Anderson. And the music just kind of, it, it really encapsulates the period in which it was made. So it's really 90s, and I'm, I'm okay with that. And like I say, hearing all the music isolated is really 
really cool and on top of that as well you get a really good package so like i say there's like 17 tracks on this album you get two or three kind of from the original uh score i'm told that you can get the score on its own so i might look into that at some point but even the bonus tracks you get on this are really cool like i said this is really an album for two halves in that the first half is kind of electro dance and you know trance and and that kind of thing and it's really really good there isn't a single song on that part which i really think meh i don't like it it they're all bona fide 100 percent certified classics and even the heavy metal side as well fucking great <laughs> I mean, they've introduced me to Geezer, which for sure I'm certainly going to be checking out because not only were they heavy, but it's Geezer Butler for fuck's sake. I didn't even know that that was a thing, so I'm going to be checking that out. And it's always nice to hear Fear Factory and Topo Negative and Napalm Death. You know, you just can't go wrong. For, For me, three out of five seems fair. I would push it to three and a half. Because it's not perfect. Because like I say, it really is an album of two sides. If they'd gone out of their way to really kind of push the duality of the album, then sure, it could have been, you know, you know exactly what you were going to get to. In the same way that kind of, here's an obscure reference for you, the uh, the movie Triple X, that had a soundtrack, and that kind of had the rock element to it, which was kind of the stuff from the film, whereas it had a small section on it called the Zander Zone, which is like stuff that isn't in the film, but might be what the main character Zander Cage would listen to. And that works really, really well for that album. So if they'd done that on the Mortal Kombat album and you could get some kind of differentiation between the the two sides, then yeah, that would be really cool. But you know what? Would I listen to it again? Uh, 100%. Yes, I would. I totally would, because it's, for me, it's ingrained in my blood from from when I was a small child, hearing these tracks to in this film that I had no right at an age in which I had no right to be watching. It really kind of helped form me and shape me as, as an adult, as I am, well, in quotation, an adult that I am now. So I think with that in mind... I think we're going to call that a wrap on this episode. It was a bit of a weird one. I'm not going to lie to record this. This is all very loosey-goosey and off the cuff. Hopefully, should Matt respond to my texts, I'm going to get him to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation. He keeps refusing to tell me it exists. But for the sake of completion, we need to watch it. I'm kind of hoping he's, he's going to reply at some point. Anyway, what did you think about? What do you think? What do you think of the episode? Get in contact with us. We're over on Twitter as at anyone podcast. We're on Facebook. Search for us. You will find us. Longer rants, rambles, considerations can be sent via email to anyone for seconds at gmail.com. Don't forget to give us a like, rating, review on your podcast platform, which always helps us grow this wonderful podcast and we can infect more ears. Let's leave you with. Some random martial arts sound effects from the Mortal Kombat game to really get you in the mood for next week of watching Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which hopefully will happen because Matt is going to respond to my messages. God, I hope so. I need moral support for that one. Anyway, thanks again. Stay safe. 
You got this. Round one, fight.